Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God certain of it. Even today as I'm in there praying for them, I feel so stirred. I feel the presence of Jesus so strong as we're just praying, just by being, and I, I'm not one of those guys who can point in scripture and say, well, when you pray, there's like nothing like that. Every time I've ever met with either one of them, I've left feeling encouraged to live more for the Lord. And that to me is a good example of what a disciple should be. And so today um, we get to introduce to you the next church planners who are actually, how far are you into this? three weeks and they're doing awesome guys like they're, they're not performers they're following the lord there's some powerful stuff happening we're a church plant and it's always weird when you're a church plant to say this but i mean this if you pray and the lord says go to their church we want you to go to their church do you understand that i will not pressure you or try and keep you here we want that for you does that make sense if you pray and the lord says to go what do you do go. You know, they've already got like a million people. <laughs> they're, so, they're so awesome though. And um, right after service, we're just going to pray over them for a little bit like we usually do. We're all going to gather around them, lay hands on and pray into them powerfully. But until then, would you guys welcome uh, Peter to the stage? I love you, bro. Lake Breaker 195, this is Big Bird coming to Little Bo Peep. Are we live? <laughs> Or is this Memorex? Okay. Something like that? Am I, is that working? No? Other ear? Okay. Okay. I'm obviously technically challenged. There we go. Live. Okay. Good. All right. Awesome. Sweet. Did that work, Jessica? You are amazing in your incredibleness. Thank you. Woo! Awesome. So I'm going to do this. Um, if it hadn't worked, I wouldn't have actually done what Josh told me to do, which is talk about our church plant. And um, so basically, the heart of our church is right there. 
Um, the A, adopted. You know, in Christ, we are adopted. We become sons and daughters of an incredible king. And you know what? Sons and daughters carry the DNA of their papa. And you know what? As a result, you know, that's why creation groans in eager expectations for the sons and daughters of God to be made manifest. Because they know that God in you coming out through you is what they need. And so as that happens, as you discover your new nature in him, which I love what you guys are exploring, then that leads to restoration. It leads to cleaning up your mess because the God in you shows, man, that's not who you are. Why are you doing that stupid stuff? Let's do this over here. You know, it actually cleans up the mess that other people have made in your life. Anybody have a mess in your life that somebody else made? Yeah, <laughs> only two, but that's good. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. The, uh, the thing is, is God, it bleeds to restoration in our lives. And that in turn leads as we discover, as we not only know who we are inside, we know we actually see manifested outside of us who we are. Suddenly, it makes it really easy for me to draw close to you. And in fact, you begin to say to me who I am and suddenly intimacy results. But you know, the other thing is, we start realizing God's not mad at me. He isn't ticked off. In fact, he's in a good mood and he loves me. You know what? When I know that about him, I draw near to him. And intimacy, out of that intimate place, suddenly, if you have a supernatural God on the inside, then what happens in your life is a supernatural outflow. Now, supernatural doesn't mean you levitate to work him back. It, what supernatural means is coming out of you is way more than what should be coming out of you. You walk into an environment where you are the least, you're the latest hire, and the place is in chaos and fear and accusation and peace descends. You walk into an environment and honesty and joy explode. You walk in with the broken and, the, and, and your boss, who doesn't be, isn't vulnerable to anybody, comes to you and says, help me. Why? Because they recognize there's more in you than what should be in you. And so it results in a supernatural life, and it does include healing. It does include maybe levitation. I don't know if that's your thing. But in, in, and that results in you being empowered because here's the deal. When you have the God of the universe on the inside, you begin to recognize your DNA. Guess what? You start to dream dreams. You start to desire the greater things that God has for you because you know the world needs an encounter with you because of who your daddy is. And so what happens is you begin to be empowered and equipped and then released into your destiny with the very people that you're supposed to run with. Oh, wait, that just describes your entire church plant. So we're just copying you. So that's just, uh, I'll just be real. So um, anyway, our heart is to the area in Kennesaw, just to the east of KSU. Yeah, our heart is for KSU. But a part of our heart, too, is there are a lot of people that come into that area from further north, up 75 and 575. That, that they're living in wilderness areas and they need, they need food. And our heart is to empower them and send them back into their communities, whether it's Cartersville or Rome or um, Canton uh, or Ball Ground or whatever. And so our heart is to be a watering hole that freely we receive, freely we give. And so um, our belief is that probably 20% of our body will, only, will be with us long-term. Most people will come in for a season and be sent out. And so, um, Anyway, so there you go. That's it. All right, moving right along. Now, I, I, have I completed what I was supposed to? Awesome. All right. Um, by the way, um, I, uh, I was um, talking with uh, Josh for his birthday because for us, um, birthdays are meant for people to be encouraged. And so I gave him a word for his birthday, and he told me to share it with y'all. So it's free. Um, what I really felt like as I was praying for you all 
is that this last year has been a year of building. Wow, I didn't need to be a prophet to tell you that. It's been, <laughs> um, I'm sensing, you know, it's like, <laughs> I believe you're a woman. Yes, it's coming to me now. No, uh, the thing is, is, is this has been a year for building. But it's not just been, it's been building a body. It's been, you guys have been building something. And as I saw that, I said, but this season has shifted. Do you feel it? The sh season has shifted. Even the last two or three weeks, the season has shifted. Why? Because you shifted and what you're building is you guys have built an ark. But, you know, there comes a time when the building is built and it's time to function in your function. And your function is to be an ark. The thing is, there is a coming wave of, of spiritual refugees. Whole groups of people that are coming out of dysfunctional bodies. Some bodies that are just burning up. Some just because, uh, because of the stresses in life. They're, they're just groups of these wandering, almost like family groups that are looking for a home where they can be restored, that, where they can be ministered to. There are whole groups of people. They're spiritual groups. Let me tell you, there are churches and society that don't have a church and they don't know Jesus. They are, they are relational groups that are deeply connected, but they have no connection to Jesus. And they're going to come into this body and they're going to find him. They're going to find restoration. They're going to find hope. They're going to find intimacy. And some of you are going, uh, I don't know. I'm barely alive. I don't know how I, I can be a part of that. Guess what? I want you to know you guys are more, you guys are further along than you think. Some of you, you're like, I'm the last one in the door. <laughs> I, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. Because the grace that's on this house, when you walk into this house, you connect to other people and more comes out of you than should come out of you because of the relationships you have and the God who's in you. And so I just want to really encourage you guys. The other thing, though, is I want to say is you guys are going to have to change how you relate to Josh and Sarah. You know, Noah, the builder of an ark, is different than Noah, the captain of a ship. And you guys have trusted them, and they have not promoted themselves at all. So I'm going to do it for you. The thing is, they've shown themselves to be trustworthy. They've shown themselves to be non-manipulative, non-dominating, non-domineering. They've shown that they can be trusted. And so it's time for y'all to step up in the way that you trust them. Because where you guys are going as a ship is going to take, they're going to stand up and say, boom, <laughs> this is where we're going. And it's not up for conversation or debate. I mean, sorry, the winds are going this way. The water is flowing. This is what's happening. And suddenly you guys are going to, there's going to be a yes in your heart. And I, and I just want to say is some of you have been so wounded by leadership. That's why you're here. <laughs> you were like, oh, finally a place I'm not going to be abused. <laughs> and guess what? That doesn't change when leadership is strong. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. And the thing is, is so some of you know, you hear what I'm saying, and you need to speak that over Josh and Sarah, that they have freedom to be that to you. Because fathership and motherhood is not about age. It's about God-given grace and authority and trust. So, okay, that's freebie. Now, I think uh, with the four minutes I have left, Papa, we just thank you because you are a good, good daddy. Mm. And it's so easy with you. It's so easy. Lord, we don't have to perform. We get to perform. <laughs> we get to party with you. We get to knock over carabiners. Oh, Papa, you're so good.
We love you, God. We open our hearts to hear what you have for us individually and corporately. Mm. Feed us so that we want you more. Mm. Um, uh, I was asked before the service by Jill, I believe it is. Yeah, she asked me, so what are we going to leave with here? And I went, oh, dear, that's a loaded question. But it was a great question. It was an excellent question. So I'm going to tell you what you're going to get. When you go to a buffet, the goal is to be fed. Uh, I, I, when I went to a buffet as a, as a senior in high school, I thought the goal was to empty the buffet. My brother and I attempted. You know, we did our best, but we never succeeded. Why? Because the goal of a buffet is they keep bringing out more food. The goal is that you recognize what you want. You know, I thought it was take some of everything. You know, I, I thought, you know, it was like immoral to leave it behind. And, and the thing is, is what, what we're going to do today, I'm going to lay out a buffet. Your job is to recognize what you want. You might be an appetizer person. You know, you don't, you're like, woo, we're sticking with the wings. Some of you are like, forget that, I'm going for the roast beef. Others are like, I want the salad. Some are like, are you wasting your time? Get me to dessert now. Here's the deal. You need to listen with your hunger. You need to listen with your heart. You need to listen with what's, what is for you. There is, there is going to be a test, but it's not a test over the whole thing. It's a test of life that's over the part that's for you. So listen, some of you, I'm going to say three sentences, and you're like, I'm done. I'm good. I got what I came for. And you can leave. Um, but yeah, you can. Um, no, but what I mean is you can check out. That's totally legit. Because my goal is that you hear what God is speaking to you, not whatever I'm talking about. Does that make sense? Everybody signed a waiver. Awesome. Excellent. So here's the deal. We're going to go in. We're going to dive into Romans 5. Uh, verse 1. So if you have Bibles, get them. If you have Quran or Bhagavad Gita, it probably won't help you very much. If you have iPod, iPhones, they probably have it on there. Mm. So Romans 5. Um, the, the book of Romans is different than the other books that Paul wrote because, I oh mean, I will figure out how to use this at some point. I'll play with it all day. Um, because Paul is writing, unlike most of his other books, he's writing to a bunch of people he's never met. And so he's really trying to give them the gospel. And as a result, it comes across really dense, really dense. And I want you to know that the point of the, God, of the Bible is that you read it and you understand it. Have you ever read it and not understood it? Yeah. Okay, here's the deal. The Bible is an absolutely closed book to you apart from the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I lived in a seminary town surrounded by biblical scholars who sat there and knocked on this door all day and never got anything. And the newborn baby Christian got more out of the book than they did. Here's the deal. You, when you come to this book, do not come first with your mind, but come first with your heart and say, Father, what do you want to speak to me? Otherwise, it's like chewing gravel. Any ever had that, that quiet time? The chewing gravel quiet time? That's not God's will for your life, by the way. Roman, and so what he's doing is he's, he's, pre, he's teaching them, and, he's and he starts out by saying, you know what, we all have a problem with sin, every one of us, whether you're under the law or not, the law just came along because um, he wanted to make our problem with sin really clear. But even before the Jewish law came along, he said there was a guy who actually got it, and his name was Abraham, and, it, and there's this verse in Genesis where it says, he believed, Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. The goal of all of Christianity, the goal of all of religion is actually righteousness. And righteousness, we make righteous into this legal thing that righteous is me being, 
um, me, um, you know, uh, nobody being able to uh, bring up charges against me. Righteousness, though, is a relational term. It's not a legal term. What it means is right relationship. See, if I don't have a right relationship with you, if I've done something to hurt our relationship and I come and I'm hanging out with you, guess what I'm doing? What am I doing? I'm afraid of you. What does Adam do? Adam breaks the one thing that God tells him not to do, right? And what does Adam do? He hides, right? Now, here's a question. Who broke the relationship? Adam. I'm going to, I need audience participation, okay? <laughs> help, help, help a brother out. So, um, the thing is, Adam broke the relationship. So, who hid? Adam hid. Now, some of us have believed for a long time that the minute Adam sinned, God was ticked off and angry. That's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible say God did when he found out Adam had sinned? He went looking for him. Not Adam. Oh, Adam. No, he's like, Adam, hey, what's up? It's our daily walk. Let's go for a walk. And what does Adam say? Now, when God asks you a question, where are you, Adam? When he asks you a question, you realize he knows everything, right? So if he asks you a question, he's not looking for information. I'm going to stand up a little higher because I'm getting whiplash going back and forth. Um, He's not looking for information, right? What's he looking for? He's looking for us to have a revelation and for us to have connection with him. And so he says, Adam, where are you? Because he wants Adam to ask that question of himself. Where am I? I'm cut off from my daddy. And what does he say? He goes, he goes, oh, well, uh, we found out we were naked. Okay, that was not the problem. That was not the problem. The problem was not a wardrobe malfunction. It was not. The problem was that Adam now thought God was his enemy. Now he thought God was out to get him. And God instead was going, Adam, come out and play. Listen, I I want connection with you. Your sin has not caused God to not want connection with you. Anybody heard this thing? Well, I can't hear God because I'm in sin. You ever heard that? By the way, that is biblically absolutely inaccurate. Pharaoh, deep in sin, hears God's voice. Abimelech, a king, deep in sin, hears God's voice. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, hears God's voice. What's happening there? What happens is, when we are in sin, we think we can't hear God's voice, and therefore we don't. But that's the very time. We hide from God, but you know what? God is seeking us out, and he is speaking to us. (laughs) Yay, Lord, thank you for saving that bowl. Thank you, Lord, for saving my bowl. Um, By the way, I can only stay um, spiritual for so long before I I become, I have to do something. Um, Anyway, and so in this this place of righteousness, the whole point of everything is to reestablish, reconnect relationship with God. And And so the thing is, is that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What did he believe God? He believed that God was going to give him a son. It was bigger than that. He believed that God was for him. He believed that God loved him. He believed that God was going to make up the difference in what he lacked. That is what allowed him to reconnect in relationship with God. This is prior to the cross. How was that able to do it? Because he believed on God's nature. The cross is the full revelation of that nature, the full revelation of his love towards us. And so 
What Paul's trying to say is, you know, forget all the law. The law was to show us how much we needed God, but it wasn't a way to get to God. And so what he says, he says, we have been therefore justified by faith. Romans 5, 1. We, and so therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, peace with God doesn't mean that God's not mad at us. That's true, but that's not what he's saying here. Peace for, for a Jew is this. It's shalom. It is the abundance of every good thing in every area of my life, in my relationships, in my finances, in my health, in my business, whatever it is, it is every good thing. And so what he's saying is, having been justified, having a connection with God, suddenly I am brought into an experience with God that produces every good thing in my life. Now, how, how, why would having a relationship with God produce every good thing in my life? I'll give you a hint. It's his nature. He's a good, good father. He's good. So if you have a good God on the inside, guess what starts to flow out of you? Okay, this is not, this is not complicated math. I want to, you know, Jesus said, unless you become as a little, you can't see or enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you have to be this tall to ride the ride, you're not going to get any bigger while you're on it. Now, one of the things about kids are kids are really simple. You know, if you ask a kid, um, okay, I'm going to give you two scenarios. Which one is God? Uh, somebody gave you sickness and somebody healed you. Which is God? They're, they're not going to go, oh, I don't know. That's a toughie. I don't know. They're like, well, it's duh. But we make things complicated. Let me tell you, we have to allow God to decomplicate our faith. Many of us have lived in spiritual gymnastics. And, it's, and so, in fact, this word justified for me for years was spiritual gymnastics. You ever heard the thing justified means just as if I never sinned? You know, the problem with, with, with this is we, Paul is struggling to use human words to describe a supernatural kingdom. He is constantly, we, and that's what we're struggling to do. We're trying to use our human experience to describe something that is way more than human. And so what he does is he uses the word that's used in Latin in legal courts, and that's where we get the just as if I never sinned. But in fact, it's talking about the Hebrew concept of righteousness. And so I always thought with justification, it sounded like, uh, you know, um, somebody with diplomatic immunity. Did you guys see the guy, the guy who was racing some like McLaren on a, a M1 on, on a street in, in, in Beverly Hills and managed to bail on the country and like kill people? You know, you're like, okay, I don't know about you, but justified means I can get away with murder. That's not what it means. It means I have a new nature is the nature of God. In fact, it, it crazy. If you want to mess with your mind, read scripture because it says some crazy things. Second Peter says we have this divine nature. You have a divine nature. You have God living on the inside. And that in, where before you were a professional sinner, now you're a professional saint. It doesn't mean you can't sin. It just means you're no good at it. I mean, seriously, here, anybody here, you are an addict. You came to Jesus, and then you tried your addiction again. You notice it doesn't work anymore? You're like, come on, here it comes. Peace. <laughs> you know, the most depressed person is someone who's encountered Jesus and then goes back to their hole. You, have you ever been in a bar? You can spot them in a second. They're the most depressed person there because it's not working anymore. They can sin, but it doesn't work because you have a new nature who's effortlessly displays the God who's in you. Let him out. And so 
He says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. An introduction by simply trusting into grace in which we stand. Grace is another one of these words that we make super complicated. Grace is simply the flow of God's love towards me that carries with it everything I need for life and godliness. Everything I need to do the will of God. It is his love for me. And so he says, this grace in which we stand. So imagine grace is a waterfall. If you're standing under a waterfall, what should you do? Get wet and don't move. Don't move. He said we stand, not we, I strive to attain into a higher level of grace. No, I receive grace. I receive the grace. He said this, but he says it's an introduction. It's the first little bit. Here, let me tell you, I don't care how long you've been in this. You've, we've only just begun. You've only just started to taste the fullness of what he has for you. And so he says, into this grace in which we stand and in which we also, we exult in hope of the glory of God. Exult means I, I put my boast, I put my trust. I'm like, have you ever done this? Uh, football fans, you, you, uh, you've, you've talked smack about your team, Georgia, and then actually had a Tennessee fan have to talk to afterwards. Yeah, Facebook went really weird after that game. But um, the, the thing is, exult is that. Exult is where you talk smack to everything in your life. In other words, you say, I, this is going to happen. This is the way it is. This is reality. I put my full trust in this. This is why Paul says in Romans 1.16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. We think it's about shame. Shame means I don't believe it's ever going to let me down. I know nothing. This gospel will never let me down. And so he's saying, we exalt. We, we're, we're boastful. We're just putting it on display. We're trusting completely in hope of the glory of God. Hope? I don't know but for you, but for me, hope is a really wishy-washy term. I hope the Cubs win the, Super, uh, the World Series. Not very likely, given their track record. You know, I hope, you know, the weather stays for another week. It's Georgia. It will change in two hours. You know, <laughs> I hope. You know, it's always, hope is a very wishy-washy term, but hope, again, this is a word that for, for a Jew means hope. It's I hope in the Lord. It means I, I trust. That's, you know, faith is being confident in what we hope for. It is the faith of things not seen. The thing is, is hope is, it's, it's both two things. It's one, it is a promise of what is to come that is absolutely sure. But it is more than that. You know what it is? It is a present experiential foretaste that carries the future of the, of the things to come. So the thing is, it's not, um, here, okay, here you go. Um, you know, in, uh, in five years, this is what you're going to get. No, it is actually, let me tell you, I, you know, <laughs> I remember kissing Masha goodbye when she lived in Atlanta and I lived in Kentucky and I was having to drive back to, uh, to and um, I remember kissing her goodbye. And let me tell you, in that kiss was a whole lot of hope. Why? I had a foretaste of the fullness that was to come and it gave me great hope. <laughs> it gave me great courage. It gave me great, it gave me excitement. It gave me joy. And it gave me the ability to keep, to, for the next uh, 
Yeah, the next two years, yeah. But I was going to say, for the next, um, what should have taken me eight hours, which usually took me about four hours, of getting back to Kentucky in the middle of the night. The thing is, is hope is a present experience that reveals the fullness that God has promised. What does that look like? Uh, I'll give you an example. The first person I ever prayed for healing, um, I prayed for healing um, for years, uh, if it be your will. That didn't work out very well. Um, that didn't really get anybody healed. Um, <clears throat> you know, I got, they, you know, oh, oh, yeah, moving right along. Um, I was praying for a woman. She had a, a paralyzed leg. It had, for like three years, I think, um, totally atrophied, no feeling whatsoever. We prayed for her. It was the first time I really, I, I chose to both believe, declare it was God's will for her to be healed and pray for it. And the first time we prayed, she began to get feeling. Now, this, she hadn't had feeling for three years. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't very good feeling. It was burning. It was, but, but oh my gosh. And then we prayed more and nothing more happened. So we actually left her worse off than when we began. In that moment, I had a choice. Now, did I make her feeling return? No, it was God, right? It was a revelation of who God is. It was a foretaste of the fullness that God had for her. But I had to make a choice. What did it mean? Now, I had two choices. One was because we kind of went out of there with our tail between our legs. I had to make a choice. Either I was going to pray for someone else or I was never going to pray for anybody again. And hope always comes. It always comes partially. And it comes with the opportunity to make a choice. And so this is why he says, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And that's what we did. We said, you know what? We've never seen anything ever happen when we prayed. Something happened. This is amazing. We choose to double down on this, and we are immediately going to go find someone else to pray for. And as we began to go on that journey, we saw people increasingly, increasingly, increasingly healed. And within about a year of that happening, we saw someone raised from the dead. Did we do it? No. But what we did was we took hope at its word, the revelation of who God is, and we went further. The hope of the glory of God. But not only do we exult in this hope, the promise, the foretaste of the fullness that's coming, but we also exult in our tribulations. Okay, Sarah, we, we've, one of the things, when you're reading scripture, you can't read over scripture. I call it bald spots. You're like, you're like, oh, this is a great scripture. And then all the, and like, that means nothing. Whenever scripture changes direction suddenly, pay attention. God's speaking. How do I know? Because I stop and I go, God, what are you saying? Now, some of you have been convinced that because you're not a Bible scholar, you don't know Greek and Hebrew, because you haven't studied you know, uh, geopolitics of the ancient Near East, you can't read scripture. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Holy Spirit is your guide. Now, here's the deal. Uh, God will show me things all the time, and then I go to smart people and go, am I completely delusional for believing this about this script passage? Is this in here? You, that, you've got smart people around you. Grab a hold of it. But start not with the commentary. Some of you are smart. Stop using your commentaries first. Go to the Word. Go to Holy Spirit. And then check out what Holy Spirit says. He's a pretty smart guy. You'll be surprised. So we hope that we exult in our tribulations. Now, I chose tribulations as a word because tribulations 
um, you know, some of your scripture, your passages say suffering. Um, here's the thing. I, I did a study on that word because God started saying something to me. He goes, you know, that word doesn't mean what you think it is. You know, I, I have this feeling like I read scripture and God kind of winks at a word. And I'm like, eh, eh, eh. You, oh, you think you understand that? And he's like, it doesn't mean what. So I began to look at that word. And you know what that word means really at heart? Pressure. Not suffering, pressure. And God immediately whispered, you know, Peter, most of the pain that you've gone through in your life has been a bad response to pressure. If someone puts a knife on my skin and I get afraid and jerk my hand, guess what happens? Yeah. The thing is, is the devil comes around regularly. Thank you, speaking. Thank you. I appreciate that. The, uh, I need help me, people. Um, the, the thing is, is that the devil comes around regularly with a, a menu. I'm curious. Would you like some depression? Would you like some frustration? Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. You have hope. God speaks to you about his desire for you to get out of debt. Hallelujah. Man, you are so encouraged. You're feeling the joy. You're feeling the love. You're feeling the hope. And then you make the mistake of stopping by your post office box on the way home. And now you have an opportunity. Was that bill there before? Yes. Did anything change? No. But now you have a choice. Let God be proved true and every man a liar. You have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. What does the pressure mean? Does the pressure mean that God lied? Does the pressure mean that we're screwed, we're all going to die? That's, that's my f personal favorite one. I, I, I mean, it, uh, the, the devil comes to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to die, we're going to die. Ah! And Masha looks at me like, see, part of the reason we live in a body is because people know who we really are, and we're not, when we're not acting who we really are, they can look at us and go, really? That's not who you are. No. I'm, I know who you are, and you're courageous, and you're amazing, and what I'm looking at right now is Chicken Little running around like a chicken with your head cut off, and that is not who you are, and the thing is, he, so he says we exult in pressure. Why would we exult in pressure? This makes no sense. Let's keep going. See, here's the deal. If you don't understand the scripture, you have two choices. One, stop and go, Jesus, what does it mean? What does it mean? Help me out here. The other is keep reading. So knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. What does perseverance mean? Don't quit. Staying in it. Endure. Okay, how does tribulation, pressure, bring about endurance? You have to stay. You have to fight to stand. Here's the deal. The pressure comes and you don't run away. <laughs> now perseverance doesn't happen automatically unless you stay in, in place. The funny thing is, we make spiritual warfare. I am seizing mountains for Jesus. You know, if you read uh, Ephesians 6, what does it say? When we've done all we can to, then what do you do? Okay, wait. When, I, when do I get to charge mountains? Remember that waterfall of grace in which we... So when we've done all we can to stand, keep standing. So in other words, the whole point is pressure comes and I don't move. I don't look for another salvation. I don't look for another way out. I don't go, ah! I stand. And in fact, he's saying, guys, seriously, seriously, when there's no, like, he's like, uh, Paul, what is the 12-step program into spiritual warfare and victory? 
Okay, first step stand, second step stand, third step stand, and fourth step stand, and just keep going. Here, here's the deal. We look for complexity, and God speaks in simplicity. And tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, and again, this whole idea of stand, again, it's this Hebrew idea. If you Remember, if you read Psalms, there's this annoying phrase, waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is like, I sure hope he shows up. No, that's not it. Waiting on the Lord is the idea of eager, certain expectation. It is the, ex- it is the one that 99% of grooms feel when they stare down the aisle at, at waiting for the bride. She's coming. Maybe a while. Maybe two or three hours. But she's coming. And it's excitement. I mean, look, you watch that. You watch that. And he's nervous. He's not nervous that she'll come. He's nervous because he doesn't know what he's going to do when it happens. That's the most fun moment. And everybody does that, that whiplash. You know what I'm talking about? You see the bride and you immediately look to see what's happening with the groom. <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's eager expectation. The, the other part of that is the, the hope is it's like of a, of a hunter waiting in ambush at his favorite spot on a really good day. He knows it's coming. He doesn't know when and he doesn't know how, but it's coming. And that's what he's saying. He said perseverance is waiting with eager expectation of breakthrough. And perseverance brings about proven character. You know what proven character is? You have a new default. No matter what happens, this is your new default. You know, you can tell, you know, um, if you have struggled with rage and then somebody cuts you off in traffic, (laughs) bless you, brother. That was weird. You have a new default. You have a new default. That's proven character. As you stand, see, we do not make ourselves. We do not make our character. We allow God to manifest in us. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the, my effort. No, the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of what? So in other words, I let the, he's, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. In other words, stand and you will bring forth much. So how do we bring forth fruit? Let the Spirit have his way. Let the Spirit out. Let the spirit manifest. Character is not something we attempt and we achieve. It's something we allow God to achieve in us. The thing is, it's his power that works in us to will and to do his good pleasure. So proving character is I've got a new default. I don't have to, I'm standing. No, perseverance is I'm standing, I'm standing, I'm standing, I'm not moving. I really want to move. That's perseverance. But perseverance gives way to, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I'm really good. I'm awesome. I'm doing really good. I shouldn't be doing good. Do you ever had that experience? Yes. Like people are like, how are you doing? I'm like, well, in the natural, I'd have to say really bad, but I'm doing really good, which makes me think I'm delusional. Yes. <laughs> Fruit comes from the inside out, not the outside in. That's why Jesus said, well, you defile yourself by what comes out of you, not what goes into you. Your circumstances do not defile you. Your reaction does. You're reacting. See, responsibility is my ability to respond to Jesus in any situation. That's a freebie. Proving character gives way to. Thank you. Thank you. You'll figure this out. I appreciate that. Thank you. So anybody notice we're back where we started? So what do we got? We started with hope. 
We'll see if I can be legible. That led to pressure. I'm going to be legible. I believe it by faith. That leads to perseverance. That led to character. Some of you are already characters. And that led to... Have you ever dealt with someone in your life, not you, of course, someone else, who was stuck in a downward spiral? You know, they, um, we, we dealt with, um, with people in addictions and, and everything. And the thing about addiction is addiction, addiction attempts to meet a God-given need in a way that brings increasingly diminishing returns. Anybody who's used drugs, the first time is like, wow! And the second time, wow! And then you have to up the dosage. And as you up the dosage, you up the side effects. And then it starts to spill over. You can no longer manage your life. And you start selling the TV. And, and, and as I watched people in addiction, I was really impressed with how well they could screw up their lives. I was really impressed with how much this cycle sucked them in. There was no way out. And one day God said to me, you know that, Peter, the cycle can be just as powerful in the opposite direction. See, this, if that's a downward spiral, this is an upward spiral. This is the upward spiral of breakthrough in your life. This is the upward spiral of the gospel, of allowing God to have his way. God comes to you and he whispers to you promise. He comes to you with a experience. It could be uh, an experience of a supernatural fruit of the spirit in your life. You suddenly experience peace in the middle of a really messed up situation. It could be, it could be, um, it could be supernatural. You, you actually get a little bit of financial breakthrough. I'll give you an example. You know, we, we had a situation, we were, you know, we're not doing great financially. I'm not asking for money. I'm just telling you real. The, we, um, and we were on the way home and, you know, you're calling out, crying out to God for, for finance. And we were going home and we stopped at a McDonald's and we asked for two egg and cheese, uh, bacon, whatever thingies. And, uh, very, uh, very good for me, I'm sure. And, um, and we, and, and you know what? They gave us a free happy meal. And in that moment I had a choice. See, I want this and I got this. You ever had that experience? I want, I'm crying out to God for breakthrough here and he sends me a happy meal. <laughs> what do I, I get to choose? Thank you, God. This is a revelation of who you are to me. You gave me grace, a favor, unmerited favor. I'm experiencing his love for me. So I'm not going to allow, I'm going to double down on that and say, this is who you are to me. And you want breakthrough and you're bringing life. And so then that moves me. So as the pressure comes, then I continue to stand. And as I stand, his character is formed in me. And as a result, I get, a, I get a br another layer of breakthrough. Now, it's a layer of breakthrough because you know we're only getting a little bit. We're only getting a little bit of what we've asked for. The fullness is yet to come. And so what I want to, I want to, he's, we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to, um, said hope does not disappoint because the love, and this is the sign that this is not the hope you think it is. The hope does not disappoint. It doesn't leave you ashamed. It doesn't let you down. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God has taken up residence in you. 
Nothing you can do can separate you from God's love. Do you believe it? Or do you think that your sin separates you from God? Is sin part of nothing? It's not a trick question, by the way. The thing is, we need to start believing Scripture and quit believing our experience. The thing is, nothing will separate you. What about my depression? Mm, sorry. Uh, what about my, my financial bad choices? <laughs> I don't know. Take it up with Paul. Nothing can separate us. Why? Because he's in us. If Holy Spirit's in me, how am I going to run away from him? You know, a lot of us, have you ever done this? You feel like, I can't feel God. I can't experience God. What am I going to do? And in that moment, you begin to seek God out. And 60 steps later, you discover him. And now you have a book that you're writing on the 60 steps to find Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? And this is what I discovered. Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? Jesus, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? And all of a sudden I stop and I'm like, oh, boom. And Jesus runs into my back. He was with me all the time. But I couldn't see him because I was looking for him. I couldn't see him because I was looking for him. Here's the deal. Holy Spirit is inside of you. He's found you. Let him have you. Let him have you. Be confident that he is bringing forth good fruit. Masha's going to just take lead us real briefly into something really awesome. She's going to lead us in engaging that. And, uh, ooh. All right, so let's just close our eyes. Mm. Wow, Holy Spirit, you've just been speaking to our hearts. And I feel like for some of us, you've been turning things up, like... They were upside down, and you've been turning them right side up. <laughs> you've been, like, making sense of so much, Holy Spirit, through this time. And I just ask you just to move in and do more. Hmm. I just kept getting this picture through the entire morning um, that so many of us have been con convinced that we're chickens, <laughs> when in reality, Jesus is speaking over, over you right now that you're an eagle. Hmm. But you're like, oh, but I'm still doing chicken things. How can I be an eagle if I'm doing chicken things? And I feel like he's saying that, look at it, the chicken, chicken ways, chicken things are not even working for you anymore. Those things are not even who you are. You've been so confused and so convinced that you are still a chicken, that you've been doing chicken things, that you've been messing around with stuff that you have no, no business of messing around with. And I feel like Jesus is just speaking that you have an eagle nature. 
that you have a nature to soar, that your new nature, this Jesus inside of you, this new nature is made to fly. So I feel like it's almost, it's a, it's a conscious choice right now just to look around your chicken coop and all the other chickens, oh, but all the other chickens are going to be so sad. <laughs> for me to leave the chicken coop and start flying. They've been convincing me for years that I'm a chicken. <laughs> what are they going to do? Just say goodbye. <laughs> say you'll be all right here, chickens. <laughs> but I'm an eagle. And I'm made to fly. So just say it. Just I renounce a lie that I'm a sinner. I renounce the lie that I'm a still a chicken. <laughs> I renounce the lie that I can't help it. <laughs> Doing stupid stuff. <laughs> and I just lay it aside. Mm. And just any other lies that have showed up as, as this morning has gone. Um, just, just start giving them to Jesus. That downward spiral. Some of us has been, have been in depression for just weeks and months. And I feel like, I feel like there, is a, there is a way right now to lay it down, to leave it in the chicken coop. And just, just to realize that those thoughts, those things that have been tormenting you are not even you. Just all of those thoughts that have been bringing defeat, have, that have been saying that you're a failure, that you are no good, that you can't do it, that you are not loved, that you are not wanted. Just start renouncing them. Just say, Jesus, I just repent for believing a lie. That I'm not enough. That I'm not wanted. That I'm not loved. That something is so fundamentally screwed up within me that it cannot be fixed. That the things that people have done to me, that they've ruined me beyond repair. Just whatever your lie is, whatever that thing is that's holding you back, that's holding you in this downward spiral, just start just putting it down and just giving it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I just give this to you. I just choose not to believe it anymore. Whew. So Jesus, if that's the lie, what is the truth? What is the truth that you're speaking over me right now? And just start receiving it. I feel like I feel like he's speaking over some. You're brave. You can do it, baby. You're so brave. You're so courageous. I've been watching you making steps and going out of your comfort zone. And you are so much further than you ever think or imagine. You're doing so good. You're doing so good. Keep going. Keep standing. You're doing so good. And just start embracing it. Start receiving it. And as you're receiving the truth, I just see us taking off from the ground and start flying. Just if you literally just need to stand up, if some of you just need to stand up and spread your wings. <laughs> And just go be, be above the cloud, above the cloud of the enemy. Everything that has been, he has been whispering, everything he's been whispering to you to discourage you, 
to just say that you can't do it. I'll just give you an example from my life, just the thing we walked in the last year, just like all the financial craziness we've gone through. Okay, so circumstance, circumstance comes, and this thought, this thought comes that I already know that it's a lie. Oh, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're not going to pay our bills, we're going to starve. Okay, so those are the thoughts. They just start flying like flies around my mind. And in that moment, there is a choice to say, okay, that's a lie. Jesus has never let me down. There has not been one time when I didn't make it. <laughs> there hasn't been one time when he hasn't carried me through. So, lie, <laughs> go to hell. Jesus, what is the truth? <laughs> the truth is that you're going to carry me through. The truth is that you have abundance for me. That abundance is starting to manifest in my life. And I just receive it. And just keep going in this upward spiral. Just keep going from glory to glory. I feel like there has been this spirit of foreboding on, on so many in the body of Christ. That things are going to get worse and worse and worse. And we have been partnering with it. And I feel like today is the time to break agreement with that spirit. And just say, no, I meant to, glory, I meant to go from glory to glory. I meant to go from good to even better. So I just break agreement with anything that's speaking, that's speaking doom and gloom over my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I just ask you that you just show us a different future. That the doom and gloom and confusion is lifting. I just ask you, Jesus, that you show us a different future. Take us up. As he's just taking you up above the clouds, you can see the land. Some of us are starting to see um, destiny things and dreams for the first time as the confusion is lifting. In the name of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, we just break off any depression, any doom and gloom. In the name of Jesus, and we just release freedom, we release life, release hope. In the name of Jesus. Um, if the ministry teams can come forward. Um, for those of you that you feel like that Jesus has started just something very deep, I would encourage you to come and get ministry um, and just go deeper. Just go deeper. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys. Um, real quick before you leave, we're going to do a communal prayer and then an intimate prayer. Communal prayer is, can you guys just come stand right here? Boom. Whoever's going to be the intimate prayers in a minute, go ahead and come around them. Um, lay hands on. We're going to lay hands on them. If you need um, ministry right now, I would, I would ref refer you to our really attractive looking prayer teams. Um, we're just going to pray over this church as people prayed over us. I remember standing on the stage at Riverstone, scared to death of what we were about to do. These guys don't carry that. That was my, my struggle was that maybe there's just something different. But they do have uh, choices to make and things that they need. And we want to say to them, we want to say to you, we are with you and we're going to be for you. We're going to cheer you on. We're going to believe in you and we're going to see that you guys go through.
We're here for you. This is an extended home for you and your family. We love you guys. I'm proud of what I've seen. Not that that matters, but. And we want to say, Father, right now in Jesus' name, surround and protect them. But more than that, give them boldness and hope and faith to go where people haven't gone. God, let them not just do cookie cutter. We don't want another church. There's plenty of churches we can go to where we know everything that's going to happen. We need a church that listens to you for everything. Pour your spirit out over them. Take them deeper into your heart, God. I've just kept hearing that God wants to take you deeper into his heart. Deeper and deeper into his heart. Everybody just reach your hands towards them. We ask God that you would give every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Everything that's available. Everything. Over them, through them. If anybody wants to pray, we can just pray over them right now. From anywhere. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.